This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have Bradley Ryan on today, not only teaching at the Den. So if you like what you hear, make sure you go take a class of his. Um, he is teaching Chill the Bleep Out right now, which is always one of my favorite classes. But he is a certified Reiki practitioner, a self-love expert, and self-care entrepreneur. He really has a beautiful journey and story about his journey to self-love as a gay man who struggled through childhood, really coming to terms with being able to own his own identity and then entering into abusive relationships as a result of that, finally reconciling and coming to terms with the work he needed to do for himself. And now he wears it so beautifully. What a beautiful aura and sparkly personality he has. He is full of love and it comes out of every pore of his body as he teaches, as he speaks. I think this episode is really relatable. I think we all have times, whether it's a strong element of your daily life where you feel like you're hiding from who you are or you're not stepping into your soul purpose, or if it's just a tiny element, there's always moments we're always skirting around what is right for ourselves, where our own self-worth lies. And I think we all have a lot to learn through listening to him and some of the practices he talks about. He has a beautiful journey to self-love meditation at the end of his practice, so stay tuned for that as well. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Bradley. Hello. How are you? Good. Do you like to go by Bradley or Brad? Or is there so, um, another name entirely? <laughs> yeah, Bradley. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I like to start the episode sometimes with one easy question, but sometimes it can be hard. If you could describe your life five years ago in one word and then your life today in one word, what would it be? And it can be two different words, just one word to describe each time. Gotcha. Good question. Um, so my life five years ago, gosh, was looking back, it was a mess um honestly <laughs> <laughs> um and lo looking at my life today it feels so um it feels like sunshine mm, so, so a mess to sunshine let's let's dig into that a little bit what was going on five years ago five years ago i was a completely different person i started my spiritual journey probably like it was four years ago so 2019 um, and yeah, I just was a completely different person. I had no sense of who I was really. I had such, so such low self-worth, low self-esteem. Um, I was in really, really toxic, abusive, like physically abusive relationships for about three and a half, almost four years Two two separate abusive relationships. So I was, it was kind of coming to an end around that time, around four years ago. So yeah, it was a lot of just uncertainty really, you know, but it's interesting in those times I knew that stuff was wrong. Like, you know, I could clearly see it around me, but, um, I didn't, you don't really know what you don't know sometimes. And it took a while for me to learn and to grow out of all of those old bad habits. So talk about that a little bit. Was this something when you look back 
that was consistent as you were getting older and then it just kind of amplified or did something change that was going on around that time? I think it was pretty consistent. If I look over the course of, you know, my entire life, I remember just from such a young age as a gay man um, living in North Carolina, it was like super country, you know, gay was like, being gay was not accepted at all. Um, I was bullied in high school, even though it was not out. I was bullied in high school. I didn't come out until I was like 21. I was in college and I was actually outed. Um, so I think just I always carried, you know, this like heaviness with me, this sense of like um, pretending like I was someone else or like showing up and showing a face or a mask that really wasn't even me. And it was I was so used to doing that. I didn't even know that I was doing it. It was almost like that was the only life I knew. Um, and I think it all just started piling on top of each other and it got so high that it just came crashing down. When do you remember the first time that you felt like you knew that you had to kind of keep this secret or not fully be you and kind of mask it? Do you remember when you started to realize like, oh yeah, I got to start playing this game? Yeah, as being like a straight man or just like, you mean well, like... in general, it sounds like a lot of it was being gay. So from an early age, it sounds like yes. you knew you quote unquote could not be that. So you were right. like hiding it in some ways. Right. You were never being you. But when do you remember kind of moments in your life where that became clear to you that this was why you had to act a certain way? Um, I remember being in a relationship several years ago and having kind of like an aha moment. Like I realized like... I was dating someone who was physically ab abusive, emotionally abusive. And I remember just a really nasty argument that we had um, and how it made me feel. And I remember like, you know, we were living together. He, I also had my own place, but we were living together. And I remember he locked me out of the place and he said the worst, nastiest things to me. And I remember going home that day and I, I locked myself in the bathroom. I loved to just, I had roommates at the time. So it was how I just kind of escaped was just going into the bathroom where no one could get to me. And I was just alone with myself. And I was standing at, staring at myself in front of the mirror. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what is going on? How did you get here? Because if from a surface level, if I looked at myself, I would say like, I really love myself. I care about myself. I'm happy. I'm a nice person, all the things, but I hadn't done any deep work to really, really get to know myself. You know, it was almost like I just felt like I had to show up all the time and give face to people and pretend like things were happy. And in that moment, that day, I switched gears and I was like, whoa, like I have to get in control of my life. Like, otherwise this is going to continue to happen. I'm going to continue to wake up with bruises on my body and my eye. I'm going to continue to feel terrible about myself and feel like this is what I'm asking for, or this is what love feels like. And it's not. And I changed just my mindset that day. I started dreaming more that day. And I really just started to take a look at myself deeper. It took a while to unpeel all of those layers, certainly, but I think that was a pivotal moment for me of just like realizing truly that great change needed to happen and if I wanted to live a better life. Do you feel that if he didn't lock you out of the apartment, was that the first time he locked you out of the apartment? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And for some reason that time it really sank in other times. Like it was like when I was locked out of the apartment, all I could feel was 
the helplessness or or the loss of love like oh if i don't stay here and try to get back in i'm gonna lose this love that feels so wonderful when it feels wonderful um but it it very often so didn't feel wonderful but i was so focused on the love on or what i thought was love or what i thought love felt like then um that i just didn't want to lose it so i was trying to grasp onto anything and that day I, I grabbed myself, I got in my car and I went back to my apartment and, you know, just taking a look, almost like taking an inventory of my life, looking around me and saying like, whoa, this isn't who I, this isn't how my friends would describe me. This isn't how I would want to describe myself to someone. This also isn't the type of person as in myself, isn't the type of person that I would want to be in love with because uh, you know, I just didn't know how to love myself in those days. And it was, it was very apparent to me that day that I didn't. So you said you always up to that point knew how to put on face. So talk about like going back in your childhood. When do you remember starting to learn that rule of having to put Ooh. on face? I feel like very, very early on, I realized when I was very, very young, I didn't know what gay was by any means, but I realized that I was different. Um, I, you know, all my brother, interestingly enough, is gay also, but he came out way later than I did. Um, but he always played he sports. Older he's older. He's two years older than me. And he came out like four years after I did. Um, which was still interesting to me sometimes. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I have to like really remember. I was like, wow, you're gay too. We're both gay. Um, but <laughs> gay, 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 gay. Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, just early on being different, not wanting to play sports. I wanted to play with like Barbie dolls. I My favorite color was purple. I remember in like early school, like elementary school, I remember like, you know, people calling me like girly or saying that I was a girl or that only girls liked the color purple. And so then I started switching my favorite one. If someone would ask, cause we're so young, you know, my answer was, would change based on what I thought that someone else wanted to hear versus how I truly felt inside. And did that start working? It got bigger. It grew the, the need to feel like I had to, it was, I, I feel like that's really where I lost myself in a lot of ways. It was like, you know, it just kept piling on because I was never giving myself the opportunity to fully shine. I was like, well, this person probably wants to see me in this light. So let me show up in this, in this way, in this space. And I think that the masks just kept layering on and layering on and layering on. And I lost myself in the mix. Did you ever forget to wear a mask? Were there any times you forgot which mask you were supposed to be wearing? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think it could get confusing sometimes. And I think I think I would kind of shut down a lot. And I can feel myself sometimes like that go not necessarily going back to that space, but I can feel that that space is still there in some in some ways. Almost just like shutting down, powering down, and just like like almost self-preservation, just like, whoa, just go into like safety mode in a way. Um, you know, now it's, it's so different in, in how I express myself. But yeah, I think it did start to get confusing. You know, I think the more like the deeper I started getting into friendships, um, as we became closer, especially like if we would spend more time together, like a weekend, like sleepover kind of thing, I would really 
start to unleash a little bit about myself. And it was never really discussed, but I think that I could pick up on moments where someone would kind of look at me and feel like, huh, who, who is this person? I don't know that person in a way, but in, in actuality, it was like, that was really who I was, not the other person that everyone thought that I was. Can you talk about any of those moments? Do you remember any moments at a sleepover where you just went that little bit more? I remember. Yeah, I do. I remember one of my friends, I had one of my best friends was super, super supportive, like very supportive. I felt very safe and comfortable being myself around him. But one of my other best friends, I remember having, uh, we were camping out in the woods, like near our houses. We lived close by each other. And I remember um, we spent like two nights down and by the creek and we were just having fun and you know doing our thing and i remember i started to get a little more like i wanted to explore myself a little bit and almost like see how far i could push the boundaries and of just like not saying that i'm gay or not saying that i liked guys but kind of just i don't know i don't remember specifics but kind of opening up a conversation where things just felt more open versus being boxed into you know what everything around me felt like it needed to be. Um, And I remember like my friend jokingly being like, said something about like, if I didn't know better, I would think that you're gay or something. And in that moment I was like, oh, too, too deep. I went too far. I opened up a little bit too much. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a scary feeling. I felt scared in that moment. Like I was being like, like really seen for the first time. And I didn't know how to take that. When did you realize you were like, cause you said when you were younger, you're like, I didn't even know what gay was. So when did that start like computing for you? Um, it was very, very young, honestly, you know, I just didn't know what the term was, but I remember having like little crushes on boys in my class and stuff. Um, you know, looking back, I thought that, you know, in the, in the time I just wanted a best friend, like, Oh, I just wanted a, I want a best friend. But really it was like, I was having little crushes on the guys in my class. And I would remember being shy around certain guys that I thought were cute or something, you know, and it was, <laughs> it's blushing. yeah, it's so funny to looking back. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's so interesting to think like little kids are so, so in tuned, right. With themselves and what they want and what they like and who they are. And, um, again, like we put so many masks on sometimes if we're not in an environment that feels supportive, but, um, yeah, it's, it's funny to reminisce. I'm like having so many feelings right now, just looking back that far. (laughs) Yeah, no, let's talk about it. I mean, how were your parents and all this? Like, did any, do you feel like anyone when you were a kid truly saw you? (sighs) I don't really, I don't feel like they did. I feel like my mom always tried to see me for sure. You know, my mom was like, (laughs) I'm sure we'll get into this a little deeper in a second, but to start, my mom was very supportive of me in so many ways. I remember like we would go to like the store and I would want to get a toy or something. And my mom would take me because she knew I wanted like our Barbie doll or I wanted like 
I remember these little pet animals that had like hair and I wanted to play with their hair and stuff. My mom did hair. <laughs> and I remember my mom would take me on these aisles and like, if people would come by, we would like have a conversation where we would pretend like we were shopping for someone else and not me. So I think from an early age, my mom definitely knew. Um, it's interesting saying that out loud now. What'd you say? Did you feel like she was protecting you or do you feel like she was protecting herself? I feel like she was really protecting herself. Um, I think she probably thought she was protecting me, but just knowing some of our other interactions later on as I came out as a gay man or she found out, I think truly she was protecting herself more than anything. But in, you know, she was just doing her best at that time in a way. She was still trying to get you the toy that she knew you truly wanted. Yeah. So, I mean, let's look. It's the hard part as a parent. So she has her own shit she's going through, right? But she does see you in that moment and wants to also give you what you need. So it's Absolutely. that dichotomy. Yeah. That's so interesting. So she, you feel like, did her best to try and see you, but she could only do so much. Yeah, she could only do so much because she, when she found out later that I was gay, she she actually stumbled across um, love letters from my very first boyfriend. I was like 17 um, and it, she didn't take it very well. It, it wasn't <laughs> something, you know, it's so funny because I think it's very obvious. I think it, I think it had always been very obvious, um, but she just didn't want to admit or accept it in so many ways. And she took it very hard. And we, you know, we really bumped heads for a little while around the subject. And then it was something that was never discussed and never talked about um, until later. How, so is that how you were outed, as you said? Was that her, she discovered letters or was there another previous incident? There was another incident later, actually. A friend of mine, uh, an ex-friend of mine in college outed me to our group of friends. He had a crush on me and it didn't go well and um, it didn't end well. And in return, he uh, outed me to our, all of our group of friends and basically like, the fraternities that we were in, like the fraternity, like sorority world that we were in, um, in that time. And honestly, like, I don't know when I would have done it had that not happened. And the, in the moment it felt like my world was like caving in, but also in the same breath at that time, I remember there being like ounces of relief. I would be like terrified and be like, Oh, well now it's done, but Oh wait, I'm scared but I don't have to have that conversation now, you know? So it was a mix of feelings and I slowly just came out of that hole. <laughs> well, talk about that idea that it sounds like in your family, your mom discovered letters, right? And then, but then it wasn't really talked about, like, did it come out to other people in your family because of that? No. Or no, it was just between you and your mom. Just between my mom and I. She kept it mm. just with me. She never told my dad, didn't tell my brother. My mom and I were very, very close, like super close. So, you know, I, I feel like she, if it was anything, she would have kept it between us. But um, so that made sense. But yeah, she definitely kept it uh, just between her and I. And then we never talked about it until way later in life, a little years later, I should say. Um, but yeah, now that I'm saying this out loud, it, it's definitely a pattern, you know, like, I was outed. My mom discovered that I was gay through these letters. I was outed from a friend. You know, there were kind of like these reoccurring incidences where it was like shocked into being my true self, into letting myself be seen in those ways. 
I have two questions on that. A, when you look back and you think, or maybe you can place yourself back in that time, how did it feel to have no control over who you were? It felt helpless. It felt, uh, there were times where it felt helpless. And then there were also times where I had accepted it. There was a lot of acceptance around it. And I thought that, um, you know, my life would be just a life full of just wanting to be someone else that I really, or being someone else that I couldn't show myself. I had accepted in so many ways that that was life. You know, this was before, you know, the internet and just having access to like social media and seeing like all these yeah. beautiful, like uh, queer community and, 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 you know, both male and female and seeing just like freedom of expression. And, you know, I lived in a very small town in North Carolina, so I didn't know what the world was like in so many senses outside of where I lived. Um, we didn't travel a lot. You know, we went to the beach. It was like three hours away. That was the only traveling that we ever did. Uh, but the energy there was just still the same. Um, so I didn't know a lot about life. And so I just thought that that's what my life would be. I would want this, but have to show up and be that. Hmm. Did you have an idea of what the that was going to be for you? Like, had you already written that story? I thought that I would m meet a girl. I would probably get married. I would have kids, but I would either have like romantic affairs with all other closeted men. And I just thought that's what it was. I remember like I worked at the YMCA when I was in, the co in college and so many men would come in there to the gym with their wives or I know that they were married and they would come back up to the front desk and flirt with me and like make little comments to me and stuff like that. And I was like, that's what my life is going to be like. That's, that is a way of life. That is how gay people like myself um, survive in this time, in this day, in this, in this city that we're in, in a way. So I thought that that's what I would be doing. What was the first, because you were in such a town where it wasn't accepted, so everything was, and you clearly had a boyfriend at 17, but nobody yes. knew. What, talk about like the first times you ever had those interactions where you found someone, like, what was that like? How did you know that it was safe? How did you know it was okay? How, how did you know it would be reciprocated or vice versa? Like what happened? Because I could imagine if everything's so secretive, that could be really scary. Yeah, it was very scary. Um, it was scary. And then also like looking back, it also became like a thrill in a way. It was like uh, another yes. layer, <laughs> another layer to it that was like, oh, it, it heightened absolutely everything in the experience. Yes. Everything was just like off the charts in a way. Um, I think my first experience with a guy was when I was in high school. Um, and I remember it was when AIM, AIM was a thing, like instant messenger. Yes, oh my God. Yes, yeah, so crazy looking back at. Um, 
But I remember like of this guy, we were chatting on there, you know, he was in our group of friends at school and we were in the same grade. We had classes together and I, I thought that he was gay also, but you know, he also wasn't open or out or anything like that. So the conversation went from very normal, very basic to slightly veering off the path. And we kind of just had like this understanding without saying it kind of thing. Um, and that kind of, it wasn't ever a relationship, but that relationship evolved into so many, it opened up into so many things where we did talk about things and we did meet in between classes and have like these little side conversations and these little experiences with each other and stuff. And it was scary. You know, I never knew if he was going to say something. I was scared to let him get too close to me because I thought, well, if he gets comfortable or starts having feelings, he might want to out himself, which will then out me. And it was like, a push and pull. Like I could let people in a little bit, but then I had to make sure that I had to, I had to take a step back. So they weren't too close. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's I'm terrifying it to have right this now, idea that like, I know I'm sorry. Um, no, no, I love it. I love it. It's good. <laughs> but I mean, it, I can't imagine this feeling of your innate central safety always being almost dependent on somebody else and yeah. just having to trust that is a terrifying, very unsafe place to be. Yeah. Looking and then back, I have a question. So when you got outed and yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, looking back, I'm hearing like safety a lot in all of this conversation that we're having, um, which I feel in a way ties into just my abusive relationship and not feeling safe there too. It seems like that's been a pattern over the course of my life. Thankfully, I've broken that cycle, but, um, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, because that's all you knew. That's I mean, I knew. that was the dynamic you knew. Um, yeah. When you were outed in college, did the guy who outed you, was he closeted or was he out? He was like one foot in and one foot out. He was in the closet, but obviously gay. And so a lot of people, he, we were, we were both in fraternities. He was in a fraternity. Um, I was in another fraternity and it was like, we more so, you know, people were talking amongst each other. So it was never like said to his face or to my face. It was more so chatter behind our backs, but I would say he was more on the way out than I was. So for him to reveal um, our relationship and those types of things between the two of us, he was he was ready to do it anyway. So he just went for it. He was like, I'll take myself out if it means getting back at, 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 at me. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Okay, so when was the first time that you ever openly expressed who you were on your own terms? I was 20 years old and one of my best then best friends who was also gay um and he was he was openly gay um and we became friends because we had a class together and the closer we got the closer we got you know conversations were geared 
you know, around like both of us being gay, the way that we talked about certain things and the things that we would discuss and stuff like that. But I remember the day where um, we were driving in our, we were driving to go get dinner together. Um, we had went to the gym and worked out. We were grab, grabbing dinner afterwards. It was later in the evening. And I remember like, for some reason, it just, I felt comfortable saying it. And I was like, you know, I'm having a hard time right now. Um, I'm still like missing my boyfriend. And I just like, I made it about my feelings and got it off my chest. And it just, the whole dinner conversation was talking about my ex-boyfriend and our breakup and our relationship and how long we dated and no one knew about it and how that felt. And it felt really beautiful to have someone to share that with because when we broke up, I had no one to find comfort in or to share what I was going through with. I had to deal with all that all, all on my own. So I just got chills. What was it like? Like, I'm sure you were having two conversations or maybe you weren't. So I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Like one that you were actually having with this friend and one with yourself, because this was the first time, I mean, you're 20 that you've ever just shared tete-a-tete, like with somebody yourself. Yeah. What was going on in your head? Were there like fucking like streamers popping off? Like what was, like what was, <laughs> were you like, were you aware that this was a momentous moment or no? I didn't, I wasn't aware of it until afterwards. Whenever I, when I got to my dorm and I was by myself, I really realized like the, the, how big that moment was. And it was like, I would be excited and elated about the moment and having, finding my freedom, even for that, even for that hour at dinner but then it was also a little scary knowing like who he would tell it to so it was like i would let the excitement happen and then i would close the excitement off very very quickly um, but yeah that was the first time i fully expressed myself i think like i probably talked 90 miles an hour like for the entire mm -hmm. dinner like i didn't come up for air because it was the first time i felt like i had was actually breathing you know during a conversation and being myself so yeah, it was, it was, streamers were popping off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then talk about when you feel like you got to a point in your life that a, you could have this conversation, but you even said, even in this conversation, there was some fear of who he was going to tell. Yeah. When do you feel like you stepped into this place of your life where you were like, I could give a shit who knows, or they tell, because there's nothing to hide. When do you feel like then you entered that phase? A couple of yeah, I have absolutely have. I think it was like, no, and two, I know you have, but yeah, <laughs> I think it was like two years, maybe, maybe a year and a half after that conversation. Um, the friend that I was referring to, we were in a, a group of friends and we were all super, super close. And one of my best girlfriends was in love with me. And it was kind of a problem that I had with you know, I would always want girlfriends. I'm like, I love my, I love my girls. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go to the mall. Let's go do these things. Let's, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we want to do, just have fun. Right. I just felt very comfortable around girls. I always had. And so I wanted, you know, that companionship in a female, whereas like a lot of times, like they wanted more, you know, because they didn't know that I was gay or they were blind to it because they didn't want to believe it. And when my friend, my ex-friend outed me to my group of friends, when my girlfriend who was in love with me found out, that's when I really felt the most relief because I think there was, uh, we were super, super close. I mean, we, it was basically like we were dating with no, 
like no sexual like experiences between yeah. us. You know, we didn't cross that. So it, but it felt like we were in a relationship. And so that was the one person that I was really worried about hurting the most in it. And it was hard for her. And I remember like, after I was outed, I had to go over to her house the next day. She had a list of questions that she wrote down. Um, and I was like, all right, you know, let's what do were this. Some of the, do you remember some of the questions where you're like, wow, okay. Cause I'm curious. She, had, I, I don't remember specifics so long ago, but I remember them being around like, how long did you know? Did you ever have feelings for me? You know, mm, did you ever think this, yeah, yeah. Still about her. Did you ever think that this would go somewhere? You know, what is it like? You know, it was just a lot of like, she had a lot of anger and sadness that she wanted just answers four and two. But interestingly enough, it was the first time that I ever answered questions about it that I felt in my power because I was like, well, she knows now there's no holding back. Why would I hold back now? So I answered her questions graciously. I answered them in a sense of relief within. I almost had to hold back like being excited to freely talk to my best friend about who I really was, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's your best friend. Isn't that crazy yes. to think? Yes. So, so fast forward, you have these kind of abusive boyfriends and look now anyone who follows you or knows you too. I mean, you wear your stuff on your side. I mean, you are who you are through and through. It's one of the most beautiful things about you. So let's talk about like how you kind of got there. You have this pivotal moment in, you know, the bathroom but what do you feel like you were still withholding? Do you just think it was the shame of all these years, just not owning who you were? It's just this practice of not being okay with it. Um, what do you think that that missing piece still was from like at least being able to say and and be open with who you are, but not what was going on inside still that was that hadn't yet caught up? I think it was self-worth. I still, even though I felt more free, even though I felt liberated in saying who I was and owning who I was, there was a period of time in the in-between where I showed up almost aggressively, like, this is who I am, like, mm -hmm. who wants to say something about it now kind of way. So I had to go through Fuck that. Kind of, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I went through that kind of phase and then it was like still underneath the issues of self-worth wasn't addressed. Like I had freed myself, but I didn't go deep within to love on myself. It was like, you know, my wounds were still there, but I was yelling louder so that I didn't even hear the cries within me. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I really think that it was a lot of self-worth issues and, and feeling um, unworthy of um I don't know, being treated in a certain way or, or, or thinking that love came with a slew of, of also issues. And I thought that, you know, if someone's being mean to you because they're having a bad day, that just comes with love. That's what I would tell myself. I remember telling myself that so many times. Mm. They're just having a bad day, which is interesting because that, I mean, that's such the watery area of a relationship, isn't it? It's like wanting to be there for someone through their ups and downs. And then what's that fine line of when it's not okay with who you are? Yeah. Right? Right. Trick. It is tricky. It's so tricky. Looking back, I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a, I've been in a healthy relationship for the last two 
a little over two years and really it's the first healthy relationship that I've ever had. Um, and it's such, such contrast in how we show up, how we speak to each other. Um, you know, we're so respectful of each other and I'm like, Whoa, this is what a relationship is. You know, like this is what a relationship feels like. I don't know what I had been doing all those years in my life, but I finally felt found someone that sees me, allows me to be seen and, you know, is conscious in how they speak to me and also is aware of what I've been through and wants to show up in like this, um, I don't know, on the white horse kind of like vibe where he's just like, <laughs> I'm going to make sure you feel love this time. And, you know, and, and, and it's reciprocated, you know, I have a lot of love and compassion for him and we just, we show up in a really beautiful way. Uh, yeah, looking back, I, I can't, I don't know how I was in those relationships for so long. Like, it doesn't even, it seems like a, a completely different person, almost detached from who I am today. I was going to say, talk about that a little bit more, because I mean, I think that's where that story, your story is very relatable. I think people find themselves in abusive relationships often, whether it's physical or just verbal or emotional. Yeah. Um, talk about Obviously, yours was physical too, because you were saying you had bruises. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming it was also emotional. Yeah. How? And I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Talk about how people can recognize when they are in something like that. What are the warning signs? What are things people can notice that it's not just hey they're having a bad day. Right. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think anytime something gets like physical, like that's obviously just a no-go. Um, I think that we should all yeah. have the ability to either walk away from situations. You know, anger is a very normal human emotion that we're going to experience. It's all about how we are reacting to that anger and how we're letting that anger flow out of us or how we're experiencing that anger. Because I think anger really is covering up a lot of sadness that we probably haven't dealt with. Um, and I think like really just paying attention to how people consistently show up and also how quickly they come back around. Because I was in relationships where people would you know, like out of nowhere, just like be jealous of something and go off on me and tear me down and say hurtful things about me, make fun of me physically, which is, I think, another sign. Like if someone's attacking what you physically look like or features on you, like that's really gross and like it's not okay. And, you know, send them love, but also save yourself and get out of that situation for sure. Um, but I think like, you know, I, I never was in relationships where the person would have an aha moment and say like, hey, I shouldn't have said that. It was like they would just keep going and then want to pretend like nothing was that nothing had ever happened. And if I had tried to bring it up because I wanted my feeling, feelings to be heard or to, for me to be seen or for them to apologize, you know, they would get angry all over again and repeat the cycle. They may not make fun of me in that time, but they would they would use their words and emotions and aggressiveness to just push me back into the hole. And then in my head, I was always so fearful of losing the love that I would just stop and I would just accept what had happened. And I would try to look beyond it and I would talk myself into like, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll be better next time. And, you know, this won't happen again. And it always happened again. But you know, yeah, I think like a healthy relationship looks like when something happens with, between the two of you, like 
you come back around very quickly, even like in the relationship that I'm in now, like, you know, sometimes I, you know, I'm used to being in relationships where like, it was a lot of yelling, it was a lot of anger, it was a lot of like, these like, defense mechanisms that I had to build up to protect myself in a way. And sometimes like, if like, we're having a little disagreement, like, sometimes I might yell and like, I immediately catch myself and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't mean to use that tone with you. I'm sorry. Let's try this again. Or sometimes it's, hey, babe, you know, I am in a mood right now and I don't want to deal with myself. So I'm going to go for a walk and I'll come back in 10 minutes. And if it feels right and if it feels open and if it feels clear, we can have this conversation again. And it always does. It always, we always come back together and we hug and we kind of just giggle about it. And we're like, okay, now we can really talk about this without all this emotional charge behind our words. I mean, I think that's so interesting. It's like being able to have the maturity of not letting the emotional charge run the show because it's dangerous. So dangerous. Yeah. And I did that for so long. You know, I was in relationships that did that for so long. And then because I was in those relationships, I had built up this armor that I also needed to at least show up almost matching where they were. It was like, you know, I, I, it was just how I showed up. It was like, I wanted to fight the fight with a fight. And now it's like, that's, that's not a good look. That doesn't, it doesn't feel good to do it. Afterwards, I always felt terrible. Like, I don't know how my partner ever felt because they would rarely express anything like that, but I would feel awful like talking to someone, right. anyone that way. And, you know, I love how you put that, like having the emotional maturity to not let that, the, the charge really run the show. Like, it's just being aware of yourself and being aware of how your feelings being in tune with your emotions and seeing like those spaces where like, this is very heightened. We're probably not going to get a lot. We're probably going to make a lot of progress here. So let's take a quick pause. Even if it's a day, you know, take, take the time that you need, but being able to come back around and say like, Hey, I'm doing life with you, whether it's a romantic partner or your best friend or a family member, like, I think we all want to really sh deeply within us, we all want to show up with love and anything outside of that, you know, it's just an indicator that we've kind of pinched ourselves all from our own source energy that sees everything in love. And the quicker that we can return back to that space of love, I think the better we're going to attract, the more ease we're going to have in our life within the relationship and just love that we're going to share and experience. You mentioned, it sounds like you met a lot of these relationships with the same emotional charge, but you also said earlier, like sometimes you almost didn't want to deal with it. So you would just accept it. Did you feel like there were times where like that same trippy behavior would happen and happen kind of, you know, emotionally abusive. And then you would just, and then you said it would pass as if nothing happened. Were there times where you knew it would just get to where nothing happened? So you just kind of ignored it and like, let it keep getting to that point. There were times, yeah, there were times where like it would go there and I just wouldn't respond because I was like, if I respond, it's going to be even worse. It's disaster. It's going to be disaster. And it always was, you know, I always, there were moments where like, you know, I remember in my very, my first abusive relationship, I wasn't abusive. It was almost four years of my life, two abusive relationships. Oh. I remember I had watched The Secret one summer 
and I had kind of just downloaded just this new way of thinking, you know, I didn't go too far with it, but you know, I had, I had just the concepts that I was kind of trying to implement in my life and stuff. And there were times within that abuse of that first abusive relationship where, um, I would try to see the good in the other person. And I would say like, I want to be a part of helping this change. So when they act this way, I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to see them in love and hope that they be better. And I would trick myself into believing that that was working because the fight didn't escalate. But the, the fight didn't escalate right. because I didn't respond in the same manner that they were, they were talking to me. It didn't mean that the fight wouldn't happen again tomorrow because it usually did. Um, but yeah, I feel like I would try to just turn a blind eye because, you know, going to bed and holding each other and holding hands and, you know, cuddling on the couch to me was, it felt better. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to hang on to those moments. I didn't want to lose those moments. So I was willing to accept the times where I would be yelled at or called names and stuff and try to overlook those and focus more on the good times. And that got me nowhere. And it got me into, I got out of that relationship. And literally, I remember specifically because it was a pride. And I got out of that relationship. I finally had the guts to be like, I've had enough. And then two days later, I met my next boyfriend at pride and we went through the same round of issues and problems. I just, everything that was in this relationship picked up and carried to this other person. Um, mm -hmm. I wish I would have given myself more time and space to reflect and to settle in and to love on myself a little bit, but it was a part of my journey. It got me, got me to here. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this because this is a great episode, I think, for people who you know, whether it's coming out of the closet or just simply whatever reason as a child, you could not fully step into yourself or own who you were and find yours or people who find themselves in these abusive relationships for whatever reason. So how did you start loving on yourself? Like, how, what was that for you? How did you start learning to actually, because saying it is one thing, right. knowing you need to do it is another thing, but actually implementing and taking away those scars um, is a whole different thing whole different thing. It's a lot of investment. It's a lot of, um, you know, communication with yourself. It's a lot of love on yourself and it's a lot of commitment and consistency, right? Um, really what shifted it for me um, was I woke up in the second abusive relationship. Things had been, they weren't like the other one. We had gotten into some physical altercations. It was very uh, this one was more like verbally abusive. My partner then mm -hmm. struggled with really bad anxiety and he had, didn't know how to deal with his anxiety. So it always came out in the form of him lashing out at me over yes. any and everything. Yes. And I remember yes, when people was, have anxiety. It's like they need to blame somebody for feeling awful. Yes. God forbid. It's like they just look internally and just feel awful. So right. if you're the closest one, you are that, you are that bullseye constantly. I got it all the time. I mean, he would wake up that way and it would go throughout the day, you know, just little things all day long. It was really, really bad, but we did have a lot of love for each other. So I tried to see the good in it. I thought that he would get better and all the things. And in 2000, it was New Year's 
2019. So we were going into year 2019 and we had been drinking. It was New Year's. We were out. Um, we were both just like not in a good place. Uh, we were arguing. He was super jealous over just being out and just if I was breathing, he was jealous basically. And we went home and the last thing I remember is him being on top of the bed and like jumping and punching me in the face. And the next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital and I was in the ER and a surgeon was literally stitching up my forehead. Um, that's how I came to. And I like, he was in the middle of stitching. I have a scar right here across my face from this. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Wow. Um, but I remember my roommate, I looked to my right, my roommate was there and he grabbed me and he was like, he called me his little Tasmanian devil. He was like, it's okay. You're good. It's going to be all right. And that was really the, that was the rock bottom. There had been so many other rock bottom moments, but this one was the one that I was like, never again, not I, whatever it is that I need to let go of, whatever it is that I need to do, I am doing it. I am not going to live this life anymore. I'm not going to wake up and find, you know, my forehead being stitched up from some other person or a situation that I had gotten myself into. Um, and it shifted my perspective of everything. Um, my dear friend, his name is Harry Paul. He is a shaman here and he lives in LA. He's such a beautiful person in this community and just in life in general. He texted me the next day. No one knew about the accident or anything. He just texted me and was like, I'm teaching at a new studio, a meditation class. I'm doing breath work. I would love for you to come. And I had a friend that was in town staying with me. And I said to her, I was like, this is my sign. I've got to go. I've got to go do this. And and I did. Cause when I woke up that day, like I never thought that I would look the same. You know, my face was swollen out to here. I had a black eye and my eye, my actual eyeball was like bruised and bloody for like five months. I mean, like I, I didn't know what life would be like afterwards. Um, and I went to that meditation class and it changed everything for me. It changed everything. The breath work that night, the, you know, all the stars had aligned so perfectly for me to just realize I needed to create change if I wanted change in my life. Mm. So breath work was your gateway. Breath work was definitely my gateway. I joined the studio that day, that night after class, and I went almost every day. I went six days a week to meditation classes every night. Sometimes I would go to back to back classes. I would go for two classes. I'd go for three classes, but it was my escape. Sometimes I remember in those early days where things felt kind of scary, you know, like getting to know yourself can feel scary sometimes when you're not used to it. And I remember like when the meditation was over, not wanting to walk back into my outside life because I felt I finally for once, ooh, feeling this, I finally for once felt like I had found my safety and my safety was within community. It was in a space where the space was being held in a really beautiful and loving way. And I felt like for the first time I was like, I'm going to be able to grow here. My, I'm, I'm finally going to have the opportunity to grow. And I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I could not get enough. 
when did it get I, I find a lot of times when people are introduced kind of to their insides for the first time that inner <laughs> world you know at first it's very addicting and exciting but then the hard work comes up because usually that's when you have to start uncovering some of the pain yeah. and you start uncovering you know some of the trauma um and i always tell people like it's not just roses it's not just like the you know the drug without doing drugs there's the pain that comes with it that then when you get past that is when you start really you know seeing that solid ground that's ready to hold you so talk about like when you got to kind of that stage like when you started to really uncover some of the muck yeah it was several months honestly into um really adopting my meditation practices and going showing up consistently like and committing myself um I remember, um, it, just as you described it, it was, it was rainbows and butterflies and it was blissful. It was so beautiful. <laughs> yes. it, it was a new experience. It was fun. But then like slowly you realize like, oh, like I've got to go deeper and I've really got to start getting to know myself and unmask, taking these layers off and sitting with my trauma, sitting with my pain and seeing how I can do better and to be better and to love myself. I remember one meditation um, that I went to and I had done breathwork classes. I had done sound healing classes, you know, just abundance meditations, morning meditations, just all over the map kind of things. And I remember one night I was going to a class and I, I couldn't go to my normal class. And there was like a 5 p.m. class that I went to and it was a self-love class. And I was like, oh, I don't need that. I love myself. I'm good there. Right. Mm. Um, and I feel like self-love is one of those things like until you experience it, you don't realize that you weren't really experiencing it to its full degree of effect. And I remember when I got in there, I was like, cool, this would be a great meditation. I need this time and space anyways. And I remember when we started, I remember the instructor saying something to the effect of like, we like place our hands on our hearts and we connected with ourselves. And when I, I, my biggest like point of connection with myself or anyone is through touch. I'm a physical touch person. I feel like I give the most love and energy through touch and, and receive it in the same way. And when I touched myself, when I touched my heart and really tuned into my, myself was the moment that like, I almost started crying. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like this whole time, all I needed was a hug from me. Like I just yeah. needed to hug me. I needed to give that love that I so easily turn to my best friend and give. I needed to turn that in my direction and receive that from me. And that was the moment that like I took my practice really outside of the classroom and brought it home and needed to you know, pick up habits. Like I started journaling, I started doing affirmations. I started sitting with my trauma. I would write letters to my trauma. I would write letters to old boyfriends, you know, really just trying to, you know, trigger these wounds, like seeing where they were placed in my body so that I could love on them. But yeah, it was, it was definitely, it took probably like a year of me really sitting with myself and realizing, oh, there's another layer. Oh, there's another layer. Oh, mm -hmm. there's another layer before it got to really a smoother sailing. And interestingly enough, in that same breath, along the same lines, went on a men's retreat last year. And 
in one of the journeys that we did, I had that same full circle moment where I was like, oh, I had an aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, there are still deeper things. It's never going to stop. We're never going to get it done. We are, you know, we're ever evolving, expanding beings. So how can we possibly ever get it done if we're always going to be growing? And I realized that I had so many spaces in my life, even as a year ago, that I still wanted to fine tune and be better at and show up differently Mm. and show up more lovingly and compassionate. I, in that time, because I, I say it, I've explained this so many times to like clients and stuff, like it's like. I had gotten past all of the bad, the icky stuff. And, but I was still so close to it that it was almost like in the back of my mind that it could happen to me again in a way. And so I was, found myself at times, even though like I was doing this work and I felt great and I was working with people and inspiring people, I would also find that I was being judgmental of other people still because I was seeing where they were in life. Like, are we aligned? Like I would ask my ask myself that all the time with people in front of me, friends, you know, coworkers, like people that I was doing projects with, I would be like, are we aligned? Because what they're saying right now doesn't feel aligned with how I feel. And that would scare me. And I would want to distance myself from them instead of holding space for them and having compassion for them that they in their own terms and time will grow just as I will. I would judge them and I wouldn't have compassion for them, but I would want to step away from them. And so I really, that was a big takeaway from that last retreat was like, whoa, like, why am I judging people? Like, I'm clearly judging myself if I'm judging other people. Like there's parts of me that I'm still judging and I haven't had acceptance with or in, or I'm not showing up compassionately for myself if I'm still judging other people. So that was a really beautiful takeaway from that retreat because now I just show, I show up even differently, even, I feel like I want to say the word better, but, you know, just more lovingly, I think. Mm. If you could give any advice to anyone who's at this crossroads, where should they begin? Mm. Where should they begin? You got to just jump in, you know, you got to just start. Mm-hmm. And you got to just see what works for you. And I think just as like anything in life, try as many things as you can and see what really resonates with you. You know, Um, something for me that has been a huge saving grace for myself is going on walks and being in nature. So, you know, anytime like I really need some love or I need to clear my energy, I always take myself on like an hour walk. I mean, sometimes even two, three hour walks I've been on before when I really needed to go through stuff. But, you know, it took a lot of just trial and error, seeing what works. Like it all works, right? It all adds value to our life. But there are certain things that would resonate with us a lot more. And I think just making the commitment to yourself, having that moment, like, looking at yourself in the mirror and having a conversation with yourself and saying like, I'm going to do good by you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to love you. I'm committing myself to me this time and just allowing for those changes to take place and continue to show up. But 
Even when it feels hard, continue to show up. When it feels easy, continue to show up. When you think you've got it done, continue to show up. Hmm. I love that. And just show up for yourself. I mean, look, it's so beautiful, like what you've really, you've taken your own work and created it to your life's work, you know, and you also have this beautiful brand undercover, which also infuses so much of like your brightness and your fun and your sparkle that you have every day. I feel like into these, you know, I mean, I love my candle. I light it every time I take a bath and these beautiful Mm -hmm. lotions and the mask. I mean, you have so many great products. It feels like, I mean, talk about a little bit. And then I know I've taken up so much of your time. We'll get to your personal practice, but when you finally really stepped into yourself, how you knew how you wanted to show it every day? Um, I think it was, it was just that it was being as bright as I possibly could be. It was, I had dimmed my light for so long, for so many years. And I had tuned, I had plugged my energy source into other people for so long that I finally unplugged from everyone else and plugged back into me. And I was like, I'm going to shine as bright and as colorful as the sun. And I am going to be loud and I am going to skip down the sidewalk and I'm going to sing and I'm just going to, I'm just going to be colorful. I think that's really what it was, was just reminding myself that I have a beautiful light within me, just as we all do. And I'm going to let it shine. And I truly, I think that I'm I gonna let, it let it shine. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful chorus has a song about that. And I listened to it this morning. So it's funny that we're singing that. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah. I think just letting my light shine. I, yeah. Just, just being bright, being beautiful, being me, just feeling like I am being myself and allowing for that to is grow. There something, is there something you do every day specifically for that? Oh gosh, I do. So I, I'm, I've gotten really good about self-care. Self-care is like the number one thing that I, I always do. I said this earlier, like my escape always just in having roommates and just in life was always to lock myself in the bathroom and to just sit with myself, whether that was taking a bath or doing skincare or a face mask, or, you know, just actually having a conversation with myself in the mirror. So self-care is a practice that I do every single day, no matter how much time I have, I always make time for it. A morning routine is always um, I think just the most powerful thing that we can do in our, in our day to wake up and to choose how we feel and to show up with love and with sunshine every single morning, you know, I make sure that I, that's what I'm doing. I'm showing up every morning. I'm going through, you know, I have a toolbox of like, these are things that make me feel good. What am I choosing today? And I kind of have the same routine that I go through every morning. I'll incorporate different things here and there, depending on how much time I have. But I kind of have the same morning and evening routine every single day. And I think just the consistency, even sometimes like I'm even saying the same thing to myself every morning sometimes when, you know, I just want to get into the flow. I just have to open the valve a little bit to allow the water pressure to really flow. But um, yeah, I think morning routine and self-care has been like what has allowed me to really shine the brightest and to love myself. How, so now going all the way back, what's your relationship with your parents now? It's beautiful and it's more open and it's loving. And I, um, you know, over these past couple of years, like I've worked with them so much in, 
you know, trying to help them see themselves and to, to grow. And then I've also lightened up a lot in that same area where I'm just allowing for them to do their own thing and loving them and having compassion for them regardless. And, you know, my relationship is so free now with my parents and I get to just show up and be myself. And like my dad gets my emails um, that I send out for my business and they're always, you know, you know, sunshiny and colorful and feel good and telling people that we love, I love them and those kinds of things. And he always responds to them and is like, I'm so proud of you. And that, that feels so beautiful to receive. You know, my mom, my mom's on TikTok and every time she sees a video, she'll text me or she'll comment on it and be like, I love this. I love that you did that, um, you know, and ask me questions about it. And I just feel really it makes me feel loved. I, I, I feel, yeah, I feel very seen. And that feels looking back, especially us kind of diving into that today, like looking back at that to feel seen, especially by my parents. Um, it feels really fulfilling. It feels good. Mm. Well, this is so beautiful and what a wonderful share. Thank you for sharing. Cause I think it's unbelievably relatable and necessary. I mean, I think we all put so much of ourselves on the side to try and keep things okay or copacetic or help someone out, whatever it is for all of us, it's different. But I think there's so many instances, um, whether it's as acute as yours was, or just even smaller notions of us making ourselves play small, um, that we all have to kind of reassess how we are actually taking care of ourselves or how much we are lacking the love that we think we may have for ourselves. And how do you go about create recreating that relationship with yourself? It's huge. I mean, it's the cornerstone of everything. Yes, absolutely. And so this is really like is. unbelievably helpful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And yeah. anyone who wants to take his classes, go to the den because he's teaching for us and he's amazing and shares his light with everyone um, but thank you, Bradley. I really appreciate this. And I'm excited for your personal practice because I think it'll be very helpful. Yes. Thank you. This was amazing. It was fun to open up and to share and to take a trip down memory lane. And um, I just hope that people find little nuggets of inspiration um, throughout our conversation. And it just inspires people to love themselves deeper. It will, thank for you. sure. <laughs> Now Bradley is going to lead us in his personal practice, which is a meditation for self-love. All right. Hello, everyone. Let's all take a nice deep breath to ground ourselves in this space. And relax into the exhale. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome. I think it would be such a powerful thing for us to focus on self-love today, to connect with ourselves, to give back to ourselves in this moment. Before we get started, I like to just move our bodies. So let's give our body a little wiggle here. Release any energy that may call us to move. We're going to create space for stillness and inner peace within us. And when you're ready, go ahead and get comfortable and get relaxed. 
Whether you're sitting up or laying down, let's remember to keep our spine nice and tall. This just allows for the energy to flow through us with ease. And if it's comfortable, let's keep our palms facing up so that we can receive today. And if you haven't already done so, go ahead and close your eyes. We're gonna focus on the magic of our own inner universe. And let's set an intention for our time here together. I'd like to set an intention to create a safe space for us all to love ourselves a little deeper, to see ourselves, to feel seen in this world, to love and appreciate all that we are and all that we are becoming. I would like to invite the energies of self-love, love, appreciation, and gratitude into this space. As we sit together and as we breathe here together, we'll be pulling these yummy energies into our being. Let's go ahead and take a nice, deep, cleansing breath in. And relax into the exhale. Another deep healing breath in. And exhale. And one more full loving breath into your body. And let it all go. Now let's just allow for our breath to find its own natural rhythm and flow. And let's take a moment to honor past versions of ourselves. Let's send past versions of ourselves a big hug. I want you to join me in wrapping your hands around yourself. Let's give ourselves a hug right here. Feel what it feels like to receive your love. What it feels like to connect deeply with yourself. And let's take that love, let's take that hug and send it to past versions of us. Feel yourself receiving this. Letting that version of you know that everything's gonna be okay. It's all working out in your favor. And go ahead and relax back into your comfortable space. And now let's take a moment to honor future versions of us. Let's send future versions of ourselves love and peace and clarity. 
future versions of ourselves would be so grateful that we're showing up in this powerful way that we are. And now let's bring our awareness to this very present moment. There is nowhere that you need to go. There is nothing that you need to do. Just be. I'd like to take a moment to invite in our angels to be here with us in this space. Let's allow for them to cover us in this beautiful glowing light. Tune into that light and feel that light dancing all across your skin. And now let's take a nice deep breath to pull that light within us. And relax into the exhale. Acknowledging that everything this light touches will heal and expand. Just allow for this stillness. Allow for this expansion. Allow for your body to relax. And feel yourself sinking further and further in. Feel your shoulders softening and relaxing. And let's take a moment to imagine that light just collecting in our heart space. Illuminating our heart space, helping us to shine so bright. And imagine that light moving down our chest, across our bellies, opening up all of our lower chakras. That light is moving across our hips, releasing any emotions that may be stored here. And now visualize that light moving down your legs, over your knees, across your calves and shins, and entering your ankles. That light is now leaving through the bottom of your feet and your toes, lighting us up, opening us up, allowing for universal energies and love to flow through us. Let's take another nice deep breath here to pull that light back to us. And relax into the exhale. And now join me in placing your hands over your heart space. I want you to tune into the love and compassion that lives within you. Bravely connect with your heart right now. 
And imagine your heart opening, allowing for this love that lives within you to pour all over you. Feel that love kissing and hugging your skin. Feel how good it feels to love yourself, to see yourself. And now let's take a moment to extend that love out into the four corners of the space that you're in. Fill up your room with so much love. And because there's so much love here in this space, let's extend that love to everyone that we care about. All of our friends, all of our family, our loved ones, our partners, everyone that we've met along the way. Give them this beautiful gift of love. And now extend that love to everyone in the world. Feel that love reaching every single person. Everyone in this world deserves so much love and there's so much to give. And let's take a nice deep breath to call that love back to us. Relaxing into the exhale. Now let's start rubbing our hands back and forth in front of our heart space. Calling ourselves back to our physical bodies. Grounding ourselves back in us in this physical space and reconnecting with our nervous systems. As we rub our hands back and forth, we are creating this powerful golden light. Imagine sprinkling that golden light all over your body right now. We are all shining so bright and so beautiful here together. And on the count of three, we're gonna clap our hands in front of our heart space to activate love. And we're gonna hold our hands high so that we can receive. Okay, one, two, three, clap. And hold your hands up. Tune into the sensation you're feeling in the palms of your hands. Feel all of that love, all of that light returning back to you. You have all the power in the world in the palm of your hands. Continue to create a life full of love. And thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was beautiful. I'm honored to be in this space and to do this work and to feel seen and to just lead in this way. So thank you all so much for joining and for tuning in and listening. Greatly appreciate it and you. And I'm sending everyone a big hug. 
and love and sunshine on the rest of your day. Okay.